amazing uh, to me how the Holy Spirit leads us and orchestrates our times together. Not only our lives, but these gatherings are our, our ch- the time when the church comes together and, uh, and, you know, we worship together, we come to get fed together, to be equipped, to encourage one another. A lot happens in a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. Amen. And, um, but it just amazes me always how, you know, the Bible says that as many who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. So every child of God, a mark of being a child of God is that you were led by the Spirit of God. How do you know who are the children of God? Well, those who are being led by the Spirit of God. That is, that is a mark of a child of God. And, um, and, you know, I am just increasingly, what's the word? Blown away in love, uh, wrecked, blessed by the theme of God's Holy Spirit in the New Testament, actually throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, that really the heart of God has always been that He would be God and that we would be His people. This is God. This is what God wants. God wants all people to be His people. He created us all, and the reason He created us is for relationship with Him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing to realize that the one true God, there's only one, and there's only one way, I think we're all, I'm preaching to the choir here this morning, but there's only one way to know the one true God, and that is through His Son, Christ Jesus. That The Bible says that there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. What does that tell you? It tells you that in order to walk in all that God has for you, there's some things that absolutely have to happen. One is that we are what the Bible calls born again. Born of the Spirit. Right? And and so, and... That there's only one way that that can happen. It is through Christ Himself, through through His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension. Faith in Him, and furthermore, to understand God's heart for you and me. There's a big theme of unity this morning. It's powerful, and when we get to the scriptures here, I have a ton of scriptures for this morning. Probably only going to read a couple and mention several. But one of them is, and I'll just quote it to you. It's Psalm 133. Oh, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it begins to paint a picture of what unity looks like. It is like, here's what's interesting. It says, it is like the oil. Wow. Think about this. Oh, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil. Wait, isn't it like us all crowded together and 
We all fly fish together. We all are passionate about fly fishing. Well, that might happen, and that's a huge bonus. But it says that this unity is like the oil that is poured over the head of Aaron, who is who is the high priest, who is the priest of God. And, and then the picture is this, that this oil, it goes over the head, it runs down the beard, it gets onto the robe, it drips all the way down. They used a lot of oil when they were anointing in the Old Testament. I know somebody who uh, said somebody came up to them one time and uh, this person needed a healing in their body. And uh, this person came up and they had this jar, like a big old thing of oil. And they said, felt like the Lord said that if I pour this whole thing over your head, you're going to be healed. And the person said, okay. But if you pour that over my head and I don't get healed, I'm going to be upset. (laughs) It was a real honest moment. The person didn't have the faith to pour the oil at that point. (laughs) But (laughs) Take that for whatever it is. I think it's a funny story. And and so um, we better pray. We've been doing a lot of it. You can't do too much of it. Really, I have a simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. It is about you. It is not about us. It is about you. It is all about you. It is all about you. Lord, you paid a huge price. So that as your word says, we would live no longer for ourselves, but for God. The truth is, each one of us is here because we've been born again. Or maybe we're here because we're hungry and we want to know what it means to be born again. But either way, to be born again, to be born of the Spirit of God, it means that you gave your life for us so that we can live our life, not for ourselves anymore, but for you. And it does. It means that every opinion I have, every desire I have, every want, every passion, even every heart's cry, comes to the feet of Christ and says, Lord, and it's, that, it's in that place that we get to say, Lord, you know, the things, I have things I want. I have things that I think, but... You are the Lord of it all. You get the final say. So lead us. Be exalted in our midst. We honor you, Jesus, as the head. As the head of the body. None of us are the head. You are. And Lord, we honor you. And we ask you to move by your spirit, to move on our hearts and our minds. God, we recognize that we don't even have the ability to change our heart. But we can set our mind toward you, and you can change our hearts. And that is what you do throughout our life. So we thank you for that. We thank you for making us more and more like Jesus. We ask you, God, for the anointing 
on the word today, that you would give us understanding. In Jesus' name, have your way. Amen. So what you see in Psalm 133 there is a picture of alignment. Alignment. Alignment is when everything is lined up according to its proper design. It's intended design. You know, you go in and you get your car if your wheel alignment is out. You have all kinds of problems, right? You're wearing out your tires. Maybe if you let go of your wheel, it pulls to one side. That can actually get pretty unsafe at some level. And what happens? You take that car in and it is aligned. And it's a whole new world after that. Well... Alignment is a value of God. It's all through the scripture. In Genesis 28, we see it like this. That um, I'm going to read this to you, 28.12. It says that he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, at the top of this stairway, it says that there was one who stood at the top like the Son of Man. Anybody want to guess who that might have been? I suggest it actually was the Son of Man. And actually, a really cool study through the Old Testament is that when you look up any place that it says, the like angels appear, but when it says the angel of the Lord, it's often the Lord himself showing up to people. And you can tell the difference by the interactions. Powerful stuff. I'm tempted to go into that, I won't. But, it's another way to say it is that it would be pre-incarnate Christ. It would be Christ himself before he took on flesh, before he was born of a virgin. How many know that that Jesus was born as a, as a baby, but that is not when he started to exist? God has existed for eternity. As a matter of fact, the way God describes his lifespan is this. I am. I am. What about a million years ago? I I am. I time actually doesn't even apply to God. It's something he created. And he doesn't even live inside of it. That's amazing. We do. We live in time. God doesn't live in time. It's a, it's a creation of his. Now, obviously it is something about his nature that is being expressed in creation. Or it wouldn't exist. But, but, uh, but God, the Bible says, inhabits eternity. Now the theme this morning, it's amazing because if I look at all my verses, the theme this morning has been unity in worship, in communion, all of it. It's been unity. It's been Surrender, and it's been about 
the ways of God. How many caught those themes this morning? Isn't it amazing how we actually have God among us and He's actually speaking to us and moving us as a body, moving among us, getting us all on the same page, not just the same page. How many know? How many know that we could all get on the same page and still not be on God's page? How many realize that? That's actually a really important truth because sometimes we try to form unity through our own efforts and we gather around. It's great. I think God loves the heart of it always. But, but Aaron and I could be on the same page, but we might, we might not be completely on God's page. True unity happens when I am on God's page and you are on his page and everyone around is looking to the head and saying, what are you doing? It is a community. This is the church of Christ. This is the church of God. That it is a community who is individually and corporately surrendered in heart and mind to him. And so that when we look for our identity, who am I as an individual? Who are we as a body? Who are we and what are we called to do? That we're not just coming up with ideas for that. We are actually saying, what is the Great Commission? What has Jesus expressed? What has he commanded us to do? Amen. And... What is the Spirit of God leading us in the moment in how to walk that out? This is the Christian life. You know, we had on the family float yesterday, Scott Diaz came out, brought a raft. And, you know, he was just sharing how they're they're in a life transition. And it's just a simple thing, but I just never get tired of hearing people put God first. I never get tired of it because, you know, he's like, you know what, we're, we're this is what we're, we're feeling to do. We're going to we're going to sell this and sell that and move here and buy this and do that. But, you know, he's like, I just keep putting it before the Lord. Lord, if it's what you want, when is your timing? You know, and he's like, because I've pushed things before. I've tried to work things before. You know, here's a man who's been walking with the Lord a while and. And I've just learned, I've learned from my mistakes, you know, that, and it is true, isn't it? When you elbow your way for something and have have you ever just fought for something, elbowed it, kind of just grabbed for it, and then you actually got it, and then you're like, it doesn't actually feel that good. Has anyone ever had that experience? You got it, you know, you're like, you reached for it and you kind of, you were selfish about something. You got it. And then you're like, feels kind of cruddy. I wish I didn't get it, you know. But when you've preferred, you know, when you've laid it down, when you've, when you've waited on God, when you've surrendered to him and then he goes and he leads you into it, boom, then it's like bonus because the truth is none of those things satisfy my soul or fill my life. Only he does. And when I'm fighting and scrambling for something, it's a belief that I actually know best for me. I actually don't. 
We're talking about ways this morning. God's ways. Psalm 103, 7 says this. He, meaning God, Psalm 103, 7. I hear pages turning. Psalm 103, 7 says He, meaning God, made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the sons of Israel. This is a powerful little statement. One of the one of my favorite people in the Bible, in the Bible, you can say it that way, in our family history, is our family history. Moses. He's one of my favorites. You know, because he got, the Lord led him to a place where he, think about this, man, he, he was in Egypt. He, you couldn't be. There was no place around that you could be in the upper echelons of the of a kingdom, and have. I mean, there was no place around like Egypt in the heyday in those times. I mean, they had the riches, they had the food, they had the stuff. They were building things that were like impossible to build. Man, they were. You know, it was a, pag, a total pagan society, but. But they had the stuff. And, and Moses grew up in that. Now imagine growing up in that. And now you, your heart and your life, you have, you have encountered God in such a way that you rather have a stick in the desert with God, trusting Him for the next piece of bread that's going to show up in the mist on the ground, Hopefully it happens every day. So far, so good. Right? Maybe not the way I would choose. Not the way I would choose. Let's just be honest. Not the way you would choose, probably. Boy, I just want to hope there's bread on the ground every morning. Now, obviously, God is hoping. God's desire is that they would come to a place where they wouldn't wonder if it was going to be there. They would trust Him. That's what He was actually doing. In the wilderness with his people. But God was moving in power. From the time he delivered them from Egypt, all through the desert, into the promised land, and so on, and on and on. But God was moving and doing powerful things, right? Water came out of a rock. Quail came in from nowhere. Bread, manna. They called it manna because it actually means what is it? They didn't even know what they were eating. Go out there, it's bread. What is it? I'm just going to... I mean, that was a step of faith. I don't know if, this is, if I can even... I don't even know if I can eat this. You know, but they did. And God's heart in all of this journey was that an entire nation would, would get an impartation that would would come to know him in the way that Moses knew him. And it says that Moses, it says that they saw his acts. So they were like going around and they saw him. First of all, let me just say, at least they noticed. You know, we're like, oh, they only saw the acts. You're like, you know what? Sometimes God's moving and you don't even notice. That was Jacob here in this story. Oh, this is the house of God. I didn't even know. 
God's here. I didn't even know. I'm like, I read that and I'm like, it's possible to be somewhere where God is like, I mean, big time there and not even know, clueless. God's not doing anything. Goes, thankfully goes to sleep, has a dream. Boom. God's speaking to him. I'm going to give you this land that you're sleeping on. I'm going to bring you back here. And he's, I mean, it's just a powerful. The children of Israel saw the acts of God. Moses knew his ways. What I love about Moses is this heart's cry. And really, it's mine. That Moses said, you know why Moses knew the ways of God? Because he prayed something. (laughs) He asked God for something and he got it. He said, God, teach me your ways. But he didn't stop there. He said, so that I can know you and continue to find favor in your sight. But you know, God, he doesn't have routines necessarily. He doesn't necessarily have systems, habits. I mean, he's the most creative being there is. I mean, you know, like God does something one way and then he'll do he'll do it a different way the next time. I mean, look at the healings of Jesus when he walks around. Can you find one healing that Jesus did that played out exactly the same as another? But we like we like what we can expect. You know, I want you to just keep sticking to the old spit in the mud trick, Jesus. We are all right with that. Well, Jesus, let me tell you how eyes get healed. You spit in the mud, you stick some mud on somebody's eyes, and they get healed. Actually, no. Spit and mud do not create healing. It's the fact that the anointed one did it. And so Jesus is walking around healing people. Sometimes he just sends a word. Sometimes he puts spit in the eye. You know, sticks his fingers in people's ears. You know, I mean, he's just doing, he's, it's different all the time because it isn't about a formula. Jesus would have been the most uncomfortable person to be around for people that like to be able to expect what is going to happen next, which is all of us. It's to some degree or another, and some of us a whole lot more than each other, and that's okay. But I'm just saying, Jesus, our Lord, your Lord, my Lord, he, he would have been so uncomfortable because his whole thing was, I want to teach you to relate to the Father. And I want to reveal to you what I am putting inside of you. Not to start a religion with a bunch of systems and rules to follow, but to put I want to see my kingdom come on the earth. All right. Isn't that powerful? It's an invitation to relationship with God. It really is all about knowing God. It says that they will know their God and do great exploits. It doesn't say they will memorize their scripture and do great exploits. 
They will have strong opinions and do great exploits. They will whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever your thing, my thing is, we all have defaults in our personalities, don't we? We do. We do. It, it says they will know their God. This is an invitation that requires humility. And there is no way to really know the ways of God without surrendering my own. The word way is all through the scripture. You should just do a word search sometime, like in Blue Letter Bible, and just put in ways or way, right? In Jeremiah, it says, Stand in the old way. Stand in the ancient path. See where the good way is. A way, see here's the thing. God doesn't have formulas. He has a way. A way is a journey. A way is movement. A way is I'm following Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. Isn't that amazing? He has ways. Jesus said, I am the way. It's all connected. It's not, it's, not, it's not a coincidence. I am the way. Whoa. That's a whole other level to knowing the ways of God. Now we've narrowed it down to one way. How does God, well, how does God do things? Through Christ. And you and me. Another thing it says about ways is it says, there's a way that seems right. To a man, it it seems so right. It seems right. But when I get to the end of it, there's a big jackpot of death and destruction. This way that I have worked out right here, it seems so right. It seems so logical, so right. You know, I I always say, like, when you're following the Lord, it's it's. It's interesting, isn't it? I know that most of you can relate to this. The Lord says, this is what I'm going to do in your life. We're going over here. And you're like, awesome. And he's like, yeah, let me lead you. Come this way. That does not, this doesn't go there. I mean, Lord, I know you've got, I know you see it all better than I do. But I mean, I think we can agree this doesn't go there. Does it? No. And the Lord's like, well, in his heart, a man devises a plan, but the Lord directs his steps. I'm directing your steps. We, I've got a way. I've declared something over your life. But wait, you didn't say it was going to require trust. Oh, yes, I did. It all requires trust. So the children of Israel, they saw the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. Now, I love that because, as I said, he didn't just want to know, God, show me how you do things so I can do things like you. That's important. He said, show me how, show me your ways, because what I'm beginning to understand is that's the only way I can have a relationship with you. That's the only way I can follow you. So I want to know you. That's what I want. I want to know God. So you know what I need? I need to know your ways. 
So the life of Moses is a picture of absolute surrender. The amazing thing that I found is that when God says, I'm doing this in your life, now come this way, now come this way, now, and, uh, you know, and then the next thing you know, a door opens up and bam, he's doing everything he said and it's better than you thought. And you're like, it does lead there. Because it's not that it leads there, it's that he leads there. That we're not actually following a, pa- a path or a map. We're following God. The Spirit of God. And it says, it says that those who are led by the Spirit, it's like, oh yeah, it's like the Spirit. You don't know where it comes from, where it goes. Like, you don't, you don't always know. You can't tell sometimes the end from the beginning But it's about being in the moment with God, trusting him. Yes, I have promises and I'm believing you now that the way you're leading me, ultimately, I want my life to be worship. And so when I follow you, it's worship. So simply noticing what God does versus understanding the values that he has that causes him to do what he does. This is, this, does that make sense? So, noticing that God has done something, right? I mean, you can be in a room where it's like somebody gets healed. I've actually seen people get healed and the person who gets healed has a hard time acknowledging it. And you have to like talk them through the revelation. It's okay. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm saying that is so possible for us. I've seen it. I'll tell you what. I've seen it. I don't know how many times. They're like, oh, this is what's going on. I got this much pain, this in my body. And then you pray for them. And they go, thanks. And then you go, how does it feel? I mean, they didn't expect anything to happen. Which is sometimes a blank slate actually seems to be better than unbelief. And sometimes non-believers, they don't have unbelief. They don't have great faith. They got nothing, which is great because God's got everything. It's the unbelief that actually gets in the way, you know. And so when somebody doesn't have anything and you've got some faith, then bam. I mean, God heals unbelievers so often. I mean, just pray for, if you want your faith to grow, just pray for more unbelievers because they seem to be healed. But you, you because... I mean, because they don't have unbelief, they just don't have any grid for the fact that God can move now. The ways of God. But I've totally walked people through that. How you feel? Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Does it hurt? No, it's better. How much better? Like, a little better? Can you feel it at all? No. No, just a little tight right there. So it was you said it was like a nine pain? Yeah. Yeah. You're healed. You got healed. Yeah. You want you like set in on him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God just healed you. Because before wait, so before I've actually done this. So before we prayed, you had a nine. Right? And then we prayed, and then what is it now? Yeah, it doesn't hurt. You got healed. Yeah, wow, I did. 
wow, I totally see it. And tell you what, this thing, this thing does not make a good master. This thing is brilliant. Like God has given you and me this brilliant brain. But I tell you, when it is surrendered to God, it is such a powerful tool. But but this isn't the head. Christ is the head. And that's where freedom comes from. That's where all the fruit that you want to live in, that's where it's at. Surrender to God. Surrender to God. You know what it feels like sometimes? It can feel like ouch. When you finally get there, it's not ouch anymore. I think, it, I think it's, it's the cross part, you know? <laughs> I'm dying. Ugh. But once you're dead, it doesn't hurt. And, uh, and so, uh, it, but it can feel, let's be real, it can feel vulnerable. It can feel, whew. I mean, vulnerable is the best way to describe it. God. I'm in your hands. I've burned my ships. Like, I don't have a backup plan anymore, Lord. I'm following you. But then in that place, the peace that comes from surrendering to His design. When I'm no longer trying to get God to conform to me, And instead, I'm becoming transformed by Him. And that the ways of... And then He begins to teach me His ways. So then that the way that I live is the way of His kingdom. What does that mean? Makes me righteous? No! I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. I'm righteous while I'm struggling with my own will, when I'm working it out. When I'm stumbling, I'm righteous because of the blood of Christ when I keep going to Him. But, as I surrender, as He teaches me His ways, as I look to Him and I say, God, as, I mean, I think if Jesus would kneel in a garden, and if Jesus, the perfect one, the holy one, the one who did not need to grow in anything at all, ever. Do you understand this? Jesus didn't need to grow. He was perfect. If the perfect one would kneel in a garden and say, Not my will, but yours be done. How many know that you and I must need to pray that? And when he began, and you know, side note, When we try to do it ourselves, it doesn't work. But when we finally just ask Him, do this in me, then He does it. And then you know what happens? And this is what we're getting to. Then, the kingdom of heaven begins to manifest in my own life, in my own home, and out wherever I go. And then you and I are naturally fulfilling the Great Commission. 
of reaching the world because the whole this whole thing this whole thing can be simplified in this this is God's heart that you and I would know him and that because of us knowing him other people will come to know him <laughs> And how many know that when you know God, how many have had your life transformed just a little since you surrendered to Jesus? <laughs> Has anybody surrendered to Jesus at some point in your life and you're, like, and you're just exactly the same person as you were that day? No. What's my point? My point is that the kingdom of God coming, this is our mission, the kingdom of God being established on the earth so that earth will look more and more like heaven is being naturally, it's flowing naturally through our lives. You get to the point where you actually can't help it. You get to the point where people will ask you, just tell me what is different about you. I'm so glad you asked. Somebody said one time that I, a friend that I used to work with, he's like, and we just became friends and, and we were, you know, and I was always sharing the Lord with him and he was going to 12 step. He'd been clean for a long time, but he didn't know the Lord. And I'm like, that's, I'm so glad he's clean. He just needs Jesus so much. And, um, cause he heals everything else. You know what I'm saying? You can be clean, but man, there's a whole bunch being a new creation. And, but he asked me one time, and it was genuine. Like, and he goes, Do you, we, man, we've been, we've been connecting for like a few years at this point. Do you, do you think you're better than me? It was an honest question. He, he, it wasn't this like, you think you're better than me. It wasn't that. It was like, do you think you're better than me? And I said, no. Nah. Better off, maybe. I didn't say maybe. No, better off. That may sound like a hard answer to some, but I'm like, I can't take any credit for it. I'm not better than you. But because of Christ, I'm better off. And he loves you. So for me, life really comes down, this whole journey, that if we, we want to see our region transformed. We want to see the good news get into every corner, on every sidewalk, in every park, in every business. And we have opportunities to do good works, which we're thankful for. Be praying about this. We be praying about this. We may be able to help uh, the school district out with um, some of their challenges. Um, through this mold issue that be praying for the high school. Uh, what I've heard is it could take like three years, side note here. Um, uh, but uh, you know what? What if we prayed and it went faster and that we were able to serve our community through this and rise to the occasion? So we've got some really good things um, in the works on that. And uh, so being praying about that for just the grace and those connections, you know, and uh, that we'd be able to serve um, in radical ways. So we got a couple ideas that it's already been confirmed that would be a big help. And so 
more you'll you'll hear more about that. And um, well, we're out of time today. Would you stand? You know, it's one of my favorite quotes. With submission, I have a lot of favorite quotes. This is one of them. With submission, you don't get to do what you want, but you do get to do much more than you would otherwise be able to. So powerful. I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, It's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. I don't really care who gets the credit, but I do care who gets the glory. I do. Just put your hand on your heart. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord, Have your way with my heart. Have your way with my mind. I surrender the heavy burden of leading myself. (laughs) You're the best leader. I ask that you lead me in this season. like never before. That you would give me understanding. That you would reveal your ways to me. That you would reveal yourself to me. And through me, and through us, this region would be transformed for your glory. That there would be a great harvest. That many will come to know you. We surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen.